You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, brought to you by HoosierProud.com. There have been some magnificent moments in the Tom Crean era, some wins that will live on forever in the storied annals of Indiana history, but there have also been some thoroughly depressing losses in the Tom Crean era, and it's quite possible that last night's annihilation in Ann Arbor was the worst 40-minute performance that we have ever seen by a Tom Crean Indiana team. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here to talk some IU basketball with you and with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, which you can listen to live immediately after every IU basketball game at assemblycall.com. And if you can't listen live, no worries. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts, and you will find us. And I'll begin this week's show as we begin every post-game show and every episode of Assembly Call Radio, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment, the moment during the past week that most strongly suggested that Indiana is on the right path to hanging banner number six from the rafters in Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And today, I've got nothing. <laughs> about, but all I can say is that Grant Galon scored eight points in two minutes of action last night, reminding me for a brief moment of Todd Leary in the final minutes against Duke in the 1992 Final Four after everybody else had been fouled out of that game. And that reminded me of the last truly great group of Hoosiers, the Cheney, Graham, Henderson, Bailey, Anderson Hoosiers. And if we've had a team like that once, surely we can have it again, right? In the immediate aftermath of a devastating no-show like what we saw last night, Plaintive thoughts of the past like that one uh, are about all that we can cling to right now. Uh, So with that said, let me introduce my co-host. To my left, we have the host of Bracketology.fm and the world's number one ranked bracketologist, according to Bracketmatrix.com. He is also the proud president, even still today, of the Robert Johnson fan club. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, welcome. What was your Bottoms line from the past week in Indiana basketball? Which, we should remember, does include the Michigan State uh, win also, in addition to yesterday's loss to Michigan. Yeah, it's, it's funny how the timing of these can affect what your perspective is. Had we done this on a, on Tuesday, uh, or even any time before 9 p.m. last night, uh, we would have uh, perhaps had a different different view of it. It's been an uneven week, quite honestly. I mean, when you, you look back at the, the win on Saturday, where a shorthanded team came in and uh, was really lifted up by the crowd and some uh, inspired play from from Zach McRoberts and uh, and and some uh, hot shooting from James Blackman. They they played terrific and really kind of played, I think, above what what we might have expected going into that game based on everything that had happened on the program and OG's knee injury. Uh, and then last night was you know the pendulum swung completely the other direction where uh, just really uninspired play. Um, nobody really, to your point, hard to find you know positives to take from it. And and really not a lot you can hang your hat on where when you're trying to find a reason to be optimistic. It was it was probably one of the more disappointing performances from start to finish 
that we've really seen in, in the time that we've been doing the show for sure. And, and, you know, you, you look at other times where this team has really, you know, gotten off to slow starts, but really bounced back in games. And, and at no point last night did it really seem like that was, uh, that was the case. And, and perhaps that was because they couldn't stop Michigan from scoring long enough to actually be able to, to make any headway in terms of breaking into the lead. But I think that, was what was most disappointing to me is that there just wasn't the same fight that I think we have seen from this team at other times. And I don't know what was different about last night uh, and, and how things snowballed so much more than what we've seen in other games, but it was uh it was a pretty disappointing cap to the week and a, and a wound that is still fresh as we, uh, as we record this today. No question about it. And to my right, we have a man who had more Raiders of the Lost Ark references on last night's postgame show than James Blackman Jr. had three-point attempts against Michigan. A columnist for TheBigLead.com and someone who thinks Coach K should also have to turn in his Duke gear and stay away from the locker room. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, welcome. What is your rant from the past week in IU basketball? Hey, wait, where's Ryan? Andy, where's Ryan? Is he here? I'm not sure. Not sure. Wait, did Ryan no show on the radio show? Maybe, maybe this is his performance art about Indiana's game last night, and he just decided to not show up, kind of like the Hoosiers didn't show up uh, last night. I don't know. That's that's about all I can think of. Um, maybe here, you know, may, maybe we'll take Ryan's rant. Perhaps you and I can just can rant quickly about. You know, just how disappointing it is. Look, you know, you and I, Andy, and and on the assembly call, we really try to always find the positives when we can. And I think you kind of mentioned that. And, you know, what's so disappointing is just to see a team not have any competitive spirit. And I think, look, Indiana can play poorly defensively. They can look a little bit disheveled offensively, struggle, you know, lose on the road, all of those things. Obviously, you don't want to do them. And you want to be improving, but all of those things in a one-game scenario are acceptable if you really get the feeling like the guys are just at a minimum out there trying, you know, and competing and doing their best, but their best on that night, whether it's because of the plan or a deficiency in talent or just because it's not one of your nights, you know, you can accept that. But I think the biggest thing that has every IU fan ranting, and Andy, I haven't gotten more replies to a post-game email that I've ever sent than I got on today's. And and the subject line of that email was that the, that was unacceptable again, um, comparing it to the Duke loss from last year, and everybody pretty much agreeing. And I think that's what is so truly disappointing about what we saw last night is just the lack of any apparent competitive spirit. And a, a, as we go through and as we talk uh, today on on this edition of Assembly Call Radio. You know, I'm sure that's a theme that we're going to hit because when you see a team that shows that, that shows that they are capable of playing without a competitive spirit, it really scares you for what may come in the future. Uh, And obviously, Indiana has to get that turned around quickly or the season is going to quickly spiral out of control. All right, well, we hope that we have a useful show for you this week as we all try to pick up the pieces from last night. We're going to begin right at the top with Tom Crean. And what a loss like last night and Indiana's overall struggles this season mean for his future at IU is the most requested topic on Twitter, so we will address it. Uh, Then we'll address the apparent mental and emotional fragility of this team, as well as their expanding ineptitude on defense, which was on full display last night. And finally, we will look ahead to a couple of huge upcoming games for the Hoosiers. Are they both must-wins? 
We'll answer that, plus give you our bold predictions. All of that on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. First, I do want to take a quick second and tell you about our presenting sponsor, HoosierProud.com. If you consider yourself a Hoosier, and not just an IU Hoosier, but someone who is proud to have roots in the great state of Indiana then you need to check out HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. In fact, we like their product so much that we moved production of our Assembly Call logo T-shirts to Hoosier Proud because they produce high-quality work, care about their customers, and take pride in their Indiana roots like we do. Check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code AC to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code AC to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, and we are talking about Indiana's awful, awful loss in Ann Arbor last night. And, and Andy, we put out a call on Twitter earlier today just for some questions to see what people were interested in. Uh, and the first question that we got back is from Andy, who asked, does the OG Ananobi injury give Crean a mulligan, or is he rightfully fired after this season? And I think this is a good place to start. Let me let you bat lead off uh, with this question. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, to be clear, that question was not from this Andy, so just don't want oh, anybody yeah. <laughs> to think that I'm submitting questions to the show and giving my own, uh, giving my own opinions. Um I, you know, I don't know. I can't say that I haven't had the same thought go through my head and that, you know, it's it's kind of an easy thing to look at and, and say, oh, well, what could this have been? Although I think the signs, uh, to a certain extent, were, were already there. I guess what I would say in, in general is we have typically made it a point not to get into into this kind of game-by-game speculation. And even what I said last week, you know, every game is a, a moratorium on, on whether Crean is the right coach for IU. And so I think we'll probably continue to do that because the reality of the situation is that it's not like Fred Glass is going to wake up tomorrow morning and say, look, I'm going to make a move right now. Any move that would be made at this point wouldn't be until after the season. And I think um, in the same way that we wouldn't want to look and say, hey, they beat Kansas and North Carolina, let's give them a 10-year extension, we wouldn't want to look at a 30-point loss to Michigan and say he should be fired tomorrow. So I think there's a, a bit of stepping back and looking at the whole body of work on the season and figuring out, um, what's going on. I, I do think they're fair questions, and, and we we both talked about wanting to um, try to touch on this a little bit because it is a, a common question that people have, whether you agree or disagree that that's the, the right way to feel uh, or whether it's the time for that. It is a question that people have, and I think just the fact that people have the question is, is somewhat telling. Um, but, but again, I, I'm more of the opinion not to overreact quite so much to you know, this game, see how the season plays out. Certainly if things, uh, you know, continue to go in the direction that they went last night, uh, I think there'll be some interesting discussions. By the same token, if they bounce back and win these next two games, then how much of that really dies down and, and, and isn't really there. So it's a it's a it's not a game-by-game proposition for me, I guess, is the easiest way to say it. Yeah, and, and, and it is easy to to react strongly in the aftermath of a loss like that. I think what is what's important to recognize is that there is a standard for Indiana basketball. And last night wasn't anywhere close to it. It wasn't in the ballpark. It wasn't even like in the same country. Uh, and, and that isn't acceptable. And obviously, if there are other performances like that, uh, then I think, I mean, it's almost a rhetorical question. I mean, because you can't 
have a, a coach that is presiding over that kind of lack of competitiveness. Now, what we've seen from Tom Crean Indiana teams is as soon as things feel like they're at their worst, a lot of times you get a great performance. And then a lot of times when things seem like they're at their best, you get a bad performance. And I think it's that roller coaster that frustrates Indiana fans so much. And I think a lot of Indiana fans entered last year you know, almost looking at it as like, okay, this is kind of the last straw or the last chance. And the way that season started, you know, even the stalwarts were, were kind of jumping ship. And, and, and then everything turned around. And it turned around in ways that felt real and in ways that felt sustainable. You know, that team didn't collapse down the stretch. There were, there, it actually improved and there were some differences. Crean seemed different. And I think that gave a lot of us hope that maybe, okay, you know, even though we've seen, Indiana basketball be a certain way for for eight seasons. Maybe now this marks growth and change, and we're kind of entering a new era, and things will stabilize. And now, as this season has unfolded, what I've felt internally, and what I've felt from other IU fans, is just that you know those final glimmers of hope that this program would get to that level of stability with this coach are starting to flicker out. And that's not a good thing. And that doesn't mean that there isn't enough time to get them flickering strongly again um, if things turn around this season. But the trajectory isn't good. And so it doesn't make sense to spend a whole lot of time talking about, you know, should he be fired, should he not during the season? Because nothing's going to happen to the offseason. And it's time now to focus on the important games that Indiana has coming up uh, and the performances of the players and the performances of the coaches in the games. Um, but I think it's obvious to everybody that if the trajectory that Indiana is on right now with this season continues, then there are going to be some very strong questions asked in the offseason um, and maybe some different answers than, than what we've had the last couple of seasons. Um, and so it's kind of a wait-and-see thing there, but um, I think hopefully people get from what we're saying uh, here and what we said on the show last night, our displeasure um, with what's happened uh, in many games this season and especially last night. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with with the the overall trajectory of the program. I think that's what is probably my biggest uh, complaint, worry, whatever you want to say is, is, you know, we just haven't been able to see that sustained and continued momentum uh, be able to really grow and build over time where it's these big ebbs and flows and the highs are great uh, and the lows like last night are terrible. And and at the same time, you're kind of in this middle ground where the highs, even as good as they are when you think back to last season, didn't lead to tournament success. So the highs aren't as high as what people want. Um, and I think that magnifies what the, you know, how the lows are. And then uh, at that point, everything is, is on the table in terms of, you know, I, I can you know, just throw out arguments to, to back up what I think. So that's when some of the recruiting things come into play, um, which, you know, is maybe in some ways a fair criticism. But at the same time, if, if this was a team full of people from outside of Indiana and they were consistently going to the Final Four, I don't think anybody would be banging the drum for recruiting the state of Indiana um, as they are now, it's a, it's an easy kind of crutch argument to have when you're already just looking for ways to support your your argument against him. And, and so for me, that's where it's really don't get into too much of the off court stuff. But it's hey, how how is this actually progressing, and is it progressing? And you start to spin it forward and say this is a team that lacks leadership. Well, what's going to change about that next year? This is a team that doesn't have strong point guard play. What's going to change about that next year? Um, as you see people leave and and who's coming in. Uh, it, it's easy to spin that forward now and say, all right, what, what is my hope for next year? Um, 
And I don't know that there are immediate answers to, to some of the biggest questions that surround this team, even coming in to the roster uh, next year to even say, all right, well, this is a, this is a blip. This is the, the le- latest downturn. The roller coaster is going to go back up next year. I don't know that anything says that. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I've got more to say about this. I think you do too. So coming up, we will continue our discussion on Tom Crean, and we'll get into that question of whether or not he and the team get a mulligan because of OG's injury. That's all next on the assembly call. Stay with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here talking IU hoops with Andy Bottoms, reflecting on Indiana's very porous performance last night in Ann Arbor. And Andy, we've been talking about Tom Crean. And and look, I think you and I were both kind of hard on him in the last segment. I do think it is important to note that the question of whether or not Tom Crean is the right guy to guide Indiana basketball into the future, which is a question that I think, if this season goes on the trajectory that it is, is a question that will be asked and discussed in the offseason seriously, and, and, and we'll discuss it as well. But the answer to that question you know, doesn't necessarily change the answer to the question of if he was the right guy when he was hired and if he has done a good job at Indiana, because I think he has done some good things. And it's important that, you know, in the aftermath of a bad loss, we don't just, you know, think that everything has been bad. And I had someone say to me, you know, take away the two Zeller years and what does his resume look like at Indiana? Well, it doesn't look good, but you can't just take away the Zeller years. I mean, he got Cody Zeller to commit and that helped convince Yogi Ferrell to commit. And those two guys were huge for Indiana and no coach is going to be good without players. And so you can't discount the good that he has done simply because there has been bad. So I think it's very important to be fair to him in his tenure, but there is a reasonable possibility in the future that even though he's been the guy to bring Indiana back to this point of being a good program, maybe he's not the right guy to make Indiana a very good or a great or an elite program. And time is going to tell, uh, you know, obviously. And so I don't think there's a whole lot more than we can talk about there. The other part of the question uh, that Andy asked, not you, but another Andy, a longtime listener of ours, was does the OG Ananobi injury give Crean a mulligan? I want to get your perspective on this. My short answer is no, it doesn't. You know, maybe it slightly lowers your ceiling for what you expect from this team. And, and you know, if they're not quite as great as you thought they could be, you say, okay, you know, the, the, you can't lose a player like OG without it really impacting you. And then, you know, I was listening recently to the, the Ion College Basketball podcast with Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander, uh, and they were talking about Arizona. And Arizona is 19-2. and two. They're 12th in Ken Palm right now. And they've played most of the season without one of their best players, Alonzo Trier. They had one of their best incoming recruits, I think, go play overseas, right? Terrence Ferguson. And then they had another guy who was injured and lost for the season. And yet, I haven't heard a whole lot of excuses coming out of Arizona. They've just gone and won. And sure, that's an isolated example. Maybe there's context there that's different from our context. But to me... The program that I envision Indiana being and that I think most IU fans envision is a standard that is not a floating standard that changes from year to year given context and circumstances, a standard that just stays and that you get measured against, and that would suggest that there aren't mulligans uh, for an injury even to a player as talented uh, as OG Ananobi. Yeah, I think, I mean, I would agree with you. I, to me, it's not a, a mulligan scenario. Injuries happen. Um, there are certainly teams each year that are more 
snake bit than others, but the Arizona example is a great one. I mean, not only did they lose the, the guys that you talked about, so so right out of the gate, I mean, three players that were expected to play key roles were unavailable, uh, two of which, you know, gone for the season. Uh, the other of, of which you're just trying to, in Alonzo Trier, you're just trying to kind of get through uh, what you can until he's able to be back. They relied heavily on freshmen. Their point guard was injured for a, a period of time as well. So, I mean, they were down to maybe, you know, six scholarship players or, or at least guys who they expected to, um, to play big minutes playing and they lost a ton from their team last year. So it wasn't like a lot of those guys had been, um, you know, key players uh, a year ago either. They lost, you know, three of their top four scorers and the, and the other one was Trier. So technically you'd lost your top four scorers and didn't have anybody back that scored more than, you know, eight points a game uh, and, and have managed to do that. And I think, you know, that's where y- you want to feel like this team is, is that you can sustain some of these injuries and the standard is the standard and you, and you don't want to be able to, to back off of that. And I think you see, um, by the same token, you see other other teams with a lot of talent struggling this year. So I don't want to talk about Duke because they're kind of talked to death at this point with um, everything that's going on there. They have as much talent as anybody in the country, and they're not playing well. Michigan State has a lot of talent, also had some injury woes, and they're not playing well. Um, but I think, you know, Crean hasn't built up enough rope uh, to this point to be able to, to, to kind of sustain a, a down year here and there because down years have been – just as prevalent as the good years to it to a certain extent if you look at these last you know handful of seasons so um where where you're kind of yo-yoing up and down and so i think uh it's reasonable to to expect you know have high expectations every year and to not say hey here's a reason that maybe you weren't good i'm going to pat you on the back and say hey better luck next time uh I, i think at this point in his tenure we have to be past that point of you know, one guy, two guys can't define the season in terms of um, of being gone, and that suggests other things from a you know from the talent level and all those kinds of things. Of um, you've got to have some depth, and you've got to be able to adapt to the personnel that you do have. Uh, and I think the Arizona example is a good one of, of a guy who has been able to do that, um, and now they're getting some pieces back, but have managed to thrive even even within that um, it, within that kind of turmoil scenario, and really kind of rallied everybody together. Uh, and it seemed like last night there just wasn't that kind of togetherness that you'd want to see for somebody to to, to pull each other out of the uh, out of the doldrums that that started from really the opening tip. Yeah, and we'd love to know your thoughts on this too. Send us a tweet anytime at Assembly Call. Uh, you know how you're feeling right now, how how you feel about the trajectory of the program and the big picture. Uh, obviously, it's it's you know, Andy, you kind of mentioned earlier that you know every loss isn't a referendum on the Crean era, but I do think there are obviously some performances that that are going to be highlighted more and make it feel more like that than others. And when you have a, a performance like that against Michigan, which to me, I mean, I mentioned earlier that it's the worst loss in the Tom Crean era. Obviously, the most consequential and devastating loss was that loss to Syracuse in 2013. But I just think in terms of 40 minutes of, of just not being competitive, uh, I can't think of a loss that was worse than last night's. And that's always going to make people take a step back and say, hey, what are we doing? Where are we going? What direction are we moving in? Because you're always moving in a direction. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, it just felt like Indiana moved in a good direction Saturday against Michigan State and then right back in this direction. And that kind of yo-yoing back and forth, up and down is just what we've seen a little bit too much of. Um, and so we'll have to see how that progresses now this season. You're listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here talking IU basketball with Andy Bottoms. Andy, one of the other questions that we got is, do you think Indiana's issues stem from off the court? And, 
you know, when I see a performance like last night where there just doesn't seem to be a lot of cohesion and togetherness and competitive spirit, it, it does always make me wonder, you know, are there off-court issues? Is this team having some kind of internal turmoil? But I haven't heard anything, you know, from anybody that I talked to that actually suggests that. Um, in fact, it sounds like the team has pretty good camaraderie. They're, you know, friendly together. I haven't heard of any internal fissures or, 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 or issues. Um, and in fact, maybe that is part of the issue, almost to the guy's detriment, that, that there isn't a strong enough uh, internal leadership or accountability to each other because everybody is too friendly. Um, we're not inside, so it's all speculation, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, but, you know, to answer that question, I haven't heard uh, of anything. I think Indiana's issues stem much more from on the court, just not having a real clear plan defensively, uh, not being able to communicate very well, getting bogged down offensively, uh, and not being able to fight through that at times in games. So to me, the issues are much more on the court uh, than off the court. Do you get any different sense than that? No, I, I... I would echo what you said. I think I even heard, uh, I think Zach Osterman was on a, either a podcast or a radio interview that I heard. It's been a while ago, but, um, yeah, it, it kind of talking about, it might be more of an issue that they're, that, that they're too close and, and kind of what you said of not really, um, feeling as comfortable calling one another out. So yeah, it doesn't seem to be the case, but it's a weird juxtaposition when you take that belief that they're the, the togetherness off the court and then the complete lack of communication on it. Even, um, you know, yesterday there was a, the play that was, it was saving, making a save under the basket and, and it was trying to go to Blackman. We turned around and like went the other way. And um, so then tried to kind of throw it in the middle of the court and led to a dunk. And um, so it's weird that a team that you would think has a lot of communication and, and seems to bond well off the court on the court is not very connected uh, at all. So it's weird to kind of look at those two things in tandem with one another and really try to make sense of that. So I think it's a reasonable question, uh, as you said, based on what we saw, but, but anything I've, uh, heard like you it doesn't really suggest that's the case and, and I think you know again that that could very well be the problem you're not worried about um I don't know you're not worried about disappointing somebody but um you know we're going to be friends after the game and it's not going to matter and and so this didn't go well but but all that's there as opposed to you know getting ripped by whether it's a coach a, a, a teammate uh whatever that may be there's a there's a balancing act there where you don't want to live in in fear of doing the wrong thing and, and kind of paralyze yourself mentally playing the game. But it doesn't really feel like there's a lot of, uh, I, I guess, fear of failure uh, and, and, the, and the outcome of that uh, based on at least what we saw last night and certainly at a few other times during the season. No, certainly. Certainly, certainly. Um, you know, the, other, the other thing that we had uh, a question about was this team's just mental state. Uh, you know, is, is this an emotionally fragile team? Um, we also had a question about their defensive inability, and so we are going to hit both of those topics next, and I think we might have Ryan on with us. Find out. That's next on The Assembly Call. Stay with us. You're listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. I'm Jared Morris, talking IU basketball with my co-hosts on The Assembly Call IU postgame show, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. 
Yes, Ryan Phillips is here. You can join us after every IU basketball game over at assemblycall.com and every Friday night here for Assembly Call Radio. You know, we do a halftime report at halftime of every Indiana game. And when I did the halftime report yesterday at halftime of the IU Mission game, it was 50 to 35. And we were all just hoping that Indiana would show up for the second half. You know, they no-showed in the first half. Show up for the second half. Make this competitive. They didn't. But Ryan Phillips showed up for the second half of this show. And, Ryan, we appreciate you being here, man. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Uh, just, you know, I know everybody is, has been just wondering where I've been for the first half of this show. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, it's, I don't know. The, these guys, that you're right, they didn't show up. And uh, I, I don't, I'm not there's no answer really to, to what happened. They just did not get off the bus for this game. And it was it was evident, you know, three, four minutes in that they just it was almost like they were counting down the minutes so they could get back on the plane and go home. Um, and that's, you know, we talked about it on the postgame show. It's just unacceptable. And the performance was unacceptable top to bottom for the team, uh, whether you're talking coaching players, whatever. Uh, it was it was an unacceptable performance from everybody and uh, everybody on that, you know, that was on that flight home last night needs to take a long, hard look at themselves. So let me ask you something. You know, Andy and I have spent the first two segments talking a lot about Tom Crean, uh, you know, and, and kind of what this loss means, what it suggests, the big picture, all of that stuff. Um, and we just started talking about the players and someone had asked if the issue stemmed from off the court stuff. And, and we thought it was more you know, more on the court, just, you know, issues with defense, issues with communication. Do you agree with that? And does does this team strike you as one that is emotionally fragile right now? Like, are you, are you worried about what we're going to see from, from these players moving forward? Cause they're clearly talented, but it's like, they can't get out of their own way in games like last night. No, I, I, I sincerely, I mean, I agree with you. I, I, we haven't heard anything about off the court stuff really impacting this team. Um, usually there's at least whispers of that. And there really isn't that this time, uh, you know, this year, uh, what we're seeing, I think is a team where they just don't hold each other accountable. There's nobody that steps up and, and holds the other guys in that locker room accountable when things go wrong. And, that's a problem and that's leadership on the court. And I would argue leadership on the court is even more important than leadership from, you know, the coaching staff or anybody there, because, you know, if, if your parents are mad at you, it's, it's one thing. If your friends are mad at you, it's another. And, and, uh, and so I think that it's more forceful when guys in that locker room take each other to task and hold each other accountable uh, than it is when the coaching staff does it. I think it means more. I think it's more impactful. And, and last year, this team was not as talented as it is this year, but you had guys like Yogi Ferrell, Nick Zeisloft, Troy Williams, and, and Max Bielfeld who were authority figures and, and who could hold each other accountable and had the respect of their teammates uh, to make an impact when, when guys were doing the wrong thing. And the coach can only tell you something so many times before it sounds the same. And, and it's different when it's coming from, you know, guys who you play with and who are your teammates. So uh, I, I think this team just needs somebody to, to step up and be a leader. And, and we haven't seen that this far. And, and that's a problem because it's late January and, and, and this team does not have somebody to get everyone together and somebody to provide leadership. And Andy, that kind of echoes what you said. And I think we've talked a lot on this show, on the postgame show, about the importance of Robert Johnson and James Blackman Jr. to be able to do that. 
and both of those guys were magnificent against Michigan State. And, and last night against Michigan, only one of them showed up. You know, Robert didn't have a great game by any means, but in comparison to the other Hoosiers, he was fantastic. I mean, he at least had a couple of stretches in the first half and second half where he said, hey, I'm going to go get some buckets because no one else is doing anything and, and, and put his head down and went and got some. James Blackman Jr. took only three shots. I mean, a complete no-show just a few days after his greatest performance as a Hoosier, which is almost inexplicable. I mean, Andy, how do you how do you assess you know those two guys and, and especially the performance of James Blackman Jr. last night? Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about with OG out the performance of of those two along with Thomas Bryant just becomes paramount for this team. There's just it's almost inconceivable to think that that IU is going to beat anybody with the current the current guys that are healthy, if those three don't all score in double figures and combine for somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, 55 to 60 points, um, they need to combine for about 90 if they're going to keep playing defense this way. But, um, I, you know, I thought, I thought Johnson did, as you said, at moments really tried to, tried to take charge. And he strikes me as someone who is more apt to try to lead by example than by getting in somebody's face. And I think on some teams that works. I'm not sure that that, that works for this team. I think they need somebody to be a bit more, uh, vocal in the way that Yogi was. And I thought Blackman um, was somewhat aggressive early. Had, an, uh, had I think both his shots he made going to the basket um, on a couple nice cuts. But in general, you know, Crean talked a little bit after the game about the IU not screening well, and that had a lot to do with him not getting shots. Uh, I think that's true. But I also think, um, you know, those kinds of hard cuts and things like that that he, you know, can do, needs to do uh, to try to create space for himself just weren't there. And and the offense, a lot of times, instead of ball movement, really seemed to devolve into one-on-one, try to get to the basket plays, or for at least a stretch, really trying to pound it inside. So uh, I was really, really surprised by uh, by Blackman's performance, given how well he had played the previous two. Um, just didn't seem uh, assertive to want to go and get the ball in, in those situations where we saw in some of these games, like, oh, you need the bucket. He seemed to be the guy most likely to say, I'm going to go take the ball uh, and score. And he just didn't do that last night. I can't really speak to why. Um, but didn't feel like he, along with a lot of other guys, were working all that hard to get open and create opportunities. Uh, and then I think the offense really just devolved at a certain point when uh, when they fell behind by so much. I mean, it's just such a microcosm of this season that you know James goes out, is as on fire as you've ever seen him against Michigan State, and then the next game is only taking three shots. This is a guy who rolls out of bed taking three-pointers, and his coach is making excuses for why he's not getting shots up. When have you ever had to do that with James Blackman Jr.? This is a guy that if the shots aren't coming in the offense, he finds a way to get them anyway, sometimes to his own detriment. I mean, he's a guy who will force shots, but last night it was nothing. I think it goes back to just the team's overall lack of competitive spirit that we saw for 40 minutes last night. Um, And, you know, you don't want to single a guy out when it was a team-wide failure, but I think... Uh, what James did last night was probably the most glaring example of it and certainly the most obvious one just from looking at the stat sheet. You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. We're talking IU basketball. We're talking that devastating loss at Michigan. And so we've got to talk defense because the defense, the defensive performance last night was worse even than the defense against Duke last year, which I never really thought that we would see a worse defensive performance than that, but we did. It was atrocious, and yes, Michigan made shots. Yes, a few of those shots were tough, but for the most part, this was just Indiana not putting up any resistance at all defensively, and at one point in the first half, almost laughably, trying a zone against a team that was shooting 60% from three-point range, which just seems like the height of searching, reaching, grasping for answers when they aren't there. I mean, Ryan, what can you pinpoint 
a particular or a couple particular issues that are the biggest problems for Indiana on defense that if they could fix, maybe they go from being awful defensively to just bad defensively? Because at this point, they just need that level of improvement to to be able to compete in some of these games. Well, it's clear they just they just don't communicate. I mean, that was the one thing that last year's team improved so much was, again, guys like Yogi Ferrell, Troy Williams. I mean, even when they would mess up defensively, they would talk. And and there was a lot of communication that went on and and constantly talking. I mean, you can see it in games if you just watch it. You know, if you have a DVR, record it and rewatch. Don't rewatch the Michigan game. You'll just get depressed. But 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 you know, watch a game and and you can see the guys are silent. They're not talking. They're they're sort of each in their own little bubble. And when you got five guys in a bubble and you're not communicating and you're not connected defensively, I mean defense is a team, you know, is a is a team endeavor. It's not it's not a one on one game. And um, you know, so when guys get beat, when guys aren't, you know, switching on the right screens and things like that you get a whole major holes in the defense. And, and that's what we saw last night. I mean, against Michigan state, there were, there were times where that team uh, was, you could tell they were communicating and they were playing well against Michigan. It just didn't happen. And, and uh, it was disappointing because there were clearly opportunities there. I mean, we, we talked about this in the post game show. That's not a great Michigan team. That's a decent Michigan team that played very well and that hit a lot of, hit a lot of shots. Um, but, that's easily that's a very beatable team and i think that indiana blew a huge opportunity by just not doing the simple things and communicating keeping your man in front of you making them you know forcing them to take contested shots things like that uh that that was what cost indiana the game and and it was pretty you know that's why it was so disappointing because it's a simple fix it's it's these guys talking to each other and, and being you know a team on the floor especially on the defensive end Ah, the difference between simple and easy. Hey, can you confirm that if you were the coach of Indiana University right now that you would prohibit the players from wearing Indiana gear and going to the Indiana locker room? Uh, No, I'm not a jerk. (laughs) Uh, That may be surprising to people, but I'm not a complete uh, mental patient. yeah, that that whole thing with Duke. Jury's still out. Jury's still out. <laughs> All right, you know what? Look, I mean, I, I crazy people are the last people to know they're crazy. So, uh, no, I, I. But that, like that stuff, like that, is so stupid. I mean, that's such a a petty thing to do for a coach, like what what Shashevsky did at Duke, and you can't go into the locker room. You can't wear Duke stuff. Say, Hey Mike, you're the one who gave them scholarships and you're the one who brought them to campus and you're the one who's supposed to be coaching them. So maybe if you'd done your job a little better, they'd be playing a little better. What's going on in Indiana is, is, is a similar situation. Everybody's to blame. And quite frankly, when you create a line between the players and coaches, you divide a team, you don't bring them together. And and this is when you talk about a team and you say this team is doing this, this team is doing that. That includes the coaching staff. I mean, you know, people often assume a team is just the players. No, that is everybody in that locker room. That includes the coaches. That includes, you know, the support staff, everybody. When this team fails, it fails as a team. That's the way basketball is. And so for for Coach K to to sort of throw it on the players and say they don't deserve to be wearing Duke emblems and stuff like that. Hey, Coach K, get out of your office then. Uh, Get, you know, take all your Duke stuff off, too, because you're not performing either. I agree with you. But if Duke rattles off like 10 straight wins, we're going to replay this because it'll make for great radio. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll be why Duke Duke starts winning, not because they have like eight five star recruits and four future NBA stars. Uh, Andy, look, we know Indiana has put itself in a precarious position uh, in terms of the bubble, in terms of the NCAA tournament. Um, and by the way, I highly recommend everybody go to bracketology.fm and check out Andy's podcast about this subject and his weekly bracket projections. And again, it's clear Indiana is going to have to fix the defense to eventually get off of the bubble. In addition to communication, is there anything else that you would pinpoint as as one thing that you would do if you were Indiana's coach to try to cajole this team into somewhat better defense? I mean, I think that it has to start with ball pressure. We saw that a little bit in the Michigan State game. Devontae Green did a really good job of, of really just being disruptive and, and throwing off timing and things like that. I mean, everything last night for Michigan was they're threading the needle on some passes, but there's really the kind of uncontested passes um, around defenders who have no idea where the ball is. And so at some point, um, just that overall awareness, you know, to me starts with getting, getting good pressure on the ball and really starting there because um, the reality is you don't, you don't, allow a team to score as easily as Michigan did last night. Um, you know, I had consecutive stops four times during the entire game. And two of those were, were because Michigan missed a pair of free throws at them. So really two times of your own, of your own volition over the course of a, a 40 minute basketball game, you got, you stopped the other team more than you stopped the other team twice in a row. I mean, that's at a certain point, that's that's a little bit beyond X's and O's and just, hey, keep your man in front of you type type of basic things. You know, this team is not at a point where it can play switching defenses and even the press that was thrown out last night and whatever. I mean, that to me all just reeks of desperation. There's really nothing else to try. But um, the reality is they, they gave up. Um, they continuously gave up, you know, wide open shots, were late closing out, continued to allow the person with the ball to do whatever they wanted and didn't force turnovers. So to me, you got to set the tone uh, initially at the point of attack by getting some pressure on the ball and then everything else hopefully you know trickles down from there but I mean as simple as can be um, that that pressure just wasn't good enough everything you know nothing was contested whether that be passes or shots uh, and to me that's that's pretty tough to swallow and when you really look at the stats and how poorly they played over the course of the, whole, the entire game yep all righty well coming up in our final segment we take a look ahead to Indiana's next two games are they both must wins We'll answer and preview. That's next on the Assembly Call. Stay with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I am Jared Morris talking IU basketball with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips on a day when it's not so much fun to be talking IU basketball. Uh, in the aftermath of Indiana's loss up in Ann Arbor. But let's stop looking back and let's start looking ahead because Indiana has two very, very important games coming up. Uh, And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to look past the next game uh, because, I mean, look, we really have no idea which Indiana team is going to show up. But, Andy, this game coming up is really important. It's at Northwestern, and no longer are games against Northwestern on the schedule ones that you can just look at and assume or expect victories. This is a program that's played Indiana tough recently. This is one of the best Northwestern teams ever. Uh, What is the challenge that awaits Indiana in Evanston on Sunday? Well, I think, for one, you're just playing a team that has a lot of confidence, which is uh, something you probably can't say about IU coming off of that game. Uh, You know, Northwestern has already won four Big Ten road games. This obviously is not among them, although given 
the typical uh, amount of IU fans that usually show up in Evanston, it may feel like a, at least a neutral court game. But they've um, they've really played well. They've beaten the teams they're supposed to beat, which I think there's something to be said for. You know, the, the two arguably the two best teams that they've played in Big Ten play, they've lost to both of them. But they've uh, they've really taken care of business against the teams that you would you would expect them to beat. Um, and and I'm not sure any Big Ten team at this point can can say that. Maybe short of Wisconsin. So. You know, for them, they've got a trio of guys scoring in double figures in Scotty Lindsey, Vic Law, and Bryant McIntosh, all, you know, guards or, or wing-type players. Uh, and then they've got Derek Parton inside, who's uh, been injured for part of the year but came back last night and had just a, uh, an amazing performance against Nebraska. I think he ended up with uh, 19 points and 22 rebounds. So probably not going to expect him to uh, to repeat that. But they've got, you know, some decent balance now that he's getting healthy again uh, in terms of inside-outside play. And, and defensively within the league, they're uh, currently ranked second in defensive efficiency. So uh, we'll certainly present some challenges for a, a, a what what until last night had been a really explosive IU offense. So I think it'll be a definitely a tough game, not not the kind of thing that we have come to expect uh, from Northwestern that it really feels like they're starting to turn the corner a little bit. And, and this seems like the kind of team in particular that Indiana struggles with. And what's difficult about that is Michigan seemed like the kind of matchup that Indiana often thrives in. So it really, you know, it certainly makes you worried and it definitely makes you unsure of what to expect in this game. Yeah, I think when you you look at teams that have a very defined style uh, and really don't deviate from that, I think those seem to me to have been the the kinds of teams that have given IU trouble. And so I think uh, I would put Northwestern squarely in that category in, in terms of what they want to do and how they want to play. Uh, you know, the, just the, the length of their possessions and things like that. So, yeah, I think it's uh, uh, not an ideal matchup. But, uh, you know, the one thing I said to somebody uh, yesterday was, well, I, the only outcome I don't see in the IU-Michigan game is IU getting blown out. So that shows you what I know. So maybe my read on this team in general is not so good. And, and the fact that I'm more worried about this Northwestern game will prove to be uh, another example of me being wrong. So, so indicative of this season. So, Ryan, it's at Northwestern on Sunday, and then at Penn State, or at home against Penn State after that. Are these must-win games? Can Indiana afford to lose either one? Unquestionably, they're must-win games. You're sitting at 4-4 four and four in the Big Ten. You can't stay at 500 the rest of the year. you got to get, first of all, you got to get a road win somewhere. You blew the, you, uh, you, you got the Penn State game, which you were supposed to win. Uh, Northwestern is currently right now an upper-tier Big Ten team. They're 6-2. and two. Uh You've got to knock off one of the better teams because you lost to Nebraska at home. You've got to even that out somewhere. And and so that has to happen. They have to win that game. Uh, they have to go above 500 in conference. And then you get Penn State at home. That's a game. First of all, it's a home game. you got to win your home games. And, and it's against a team they have beaten and should beat. So, uh, yeah, I would say both are must-win games. This is, you know, look at Indiana's 14-7. and seven. Uh, they lose them both. They're 14 and nine. They win one or the other 15 and eight. I mean, you know, they need to get going here and they need to start railing off some wins. And they did that for, you know, three games in a row, but then they, they, they erased all the goodwill they had built up against Michigan. So yeah, these are both must win games. I don't think there's any question about it. All right, well guys, with our final few minutes here, let's get to the segment that I'm now going to start calling flushing valuable airtime down the toilet because this is when we do our bold predictions, uh, which means that we're offering predictions for maybe the most unpredictable team in the country. I don't know. Uh, but we started it, and so we're going to continue doing it. Uh, last week, Andy predicted a certain amount of points for Indiana's bench in the Michigan State game. That did not happen. Ryan predicted a double-double for Thomas Bryant. That also did not happen. No, I predicted, I predicted an <laughs> Indiana win. I predicted Indiana would win. You put that online asking if people would accept that, and they said yes. So I am taking a win here. 
I am three and six now and tied for first place, not two and seven. I got that right. I apologize for ripping you, but Un- this is one. Unfortunately, true. the final arbiters of whether a bold prediction is correct or not is not the Twitter audience, but it is me and Andy. And we have both decided that you do not get credit for that. So you'll be two and so seven. So right now, if you guys, <laughs> if there's any justice in the world, I'd be in first place because I have been basically screwed out of two of these. Well, show up, uh, show up on time, and you can be a part of those discussions before the show starts. <laughs> All right. So, uh, on that Muting note, myself at this point. <laughs> All right. So let, let's let's go to our bold Jutting predictions. Shutting my own mic off in the middle of the radio show. <laughs> All right. Let's go to. Uh, let's hope that there's a Grant Galon who can come around and salvage the final few minutes of this show here for us. Uh, Andy, let's go over to you for your bold predictions for this week in IU basketball. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Thomas Bryant. Uh, I, I think when you look at Northwestern's team outside of Pardon, there's not a ton of size uh, on the roster. I think we saw at times last night IU really focused on trying to get the ball inside to Bryant. So uh, I'm gonna say he goes for 15 and eight. Uh, we'll say I, I've learned that going I need to go a couple points below because I've missed like the whatever ones I've missed I've missed by like one or two points either way. So I'm gonna say he goes for 15 and eight and has a has a solid game. I think he's a guy. Uh, that becomes a, a bit of a matchup issue for Northwestern, and, and hopefully you can feed him in uh, in good position to get him going. Now over to Ryan Asterisk Phillips for his bold prediction. To be clear, he said he goes for 15 and 8. He did not say he goes for at least 15 and 8. I We need to mark that down, please, because apparently everybody, it has to be perfect for this to happen. I'm saying, okay, so mine is, it's going to be simple. Indiana's going to win both these next two games. That's my prediction. Uh, they have to. This team is pure chaos. We have no idea what to expect. Awful game last night. I get compl- I mean, would it surprise anybody if they bounce back and won the next two games? Um, they have to win them. I think they're going to win them. Tom Crean's teams play better with their back against the wall. Uh, so I think they, they, they reel off two wins. I don't know what that means for the rest of the season. I just get a feeling they're going to win these next two games. Yeah, and the key, of course, is to stop getting our backs up against the wall so much and start playing a little bit better when that isn't the case. But in this case, it is. Ryan, we hope you're right. I'm going with Robert Johnson. He's been in double figures in every Big Ten game, the one consistent player in a season of inconsistency, and he's had at least four rebounds in the last five. And I think consistency counts as a bold prediction, right, considering this season. So I'm going to say that he'll have at least 15 points and at least five rebounds against Northwestern on Sunday. I don't know if that will be enough to lead Indiana to victory, but I do know that of all the players on this roster, Robert Johnson is the one guy that we can count on the most. And so I think, uh, I think he'll bring it. I think he'll have a good game. And if Andy's correct about Thomas Bryant and if James Blackman Jr. is able to bounce back, uh, then maybe Indiana can go on the road and get a big win against Northwestern, which we all agree that they desperately need. Well, that will do it for this edition of the Assembly Call. Make sure that you join us at assemblycall.com after the IU Northwestern and IU Penn State games for our post-game show. Or you can subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. Our thanks to Hoosier Proud for sponsoring this episode. Go to HoosierProud.com and use the promo code AC for 15% off. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. 
So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.